0: The Academy now does honor to those men, the television writers.
1: For the outstanding writing achievement in drama, the nominees are Reginald Rose, Sacco Vincetti.
0: Rod Serling, The Twilight Zone.
1: And Dale Wasserman, The Abraham Lincoln Murder Case, DuPont Show of the Month.
0: And the winner is... Would you like to open this card? (laughs)
1: I'll let you read it.
0: In Hollywood, the winner is Rod Serling, Twilight Zone. (laughs) To, To three writing gremlins named Charles Beaumont, George Clayton Johnson, and Dick Matheson who do much of the writing on the kooky twilight zone. Many thanks, fellas. Come over and we'll carve it up like a turkey. Thank you so much. (laughs)
1: for joy run you've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways enter death's waiting room if you dare And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And welcome to our Season 2 uh, recap. I feel like like that, like that every show has a recap now, but we just waited until the very end of the season to do our recap, as opposed to after every episode that we talk about the episode.
0: Yeah, it feels good. It feels like a milestone. And uh, it actually is a milestone as well today. Uh, we're celebrating two years of Strange Highways tonight.
1: Yeah, did not plan it like that. But hey, you know, uh, w- w- what is it? Um... Uh, sometimes, uh, it's not flying, it's falling gracefully. Right. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, it was our fault, uh, for taking some time off, uh, here and there in the first season, but, um, it worked out nice. The fact that we can wrap up season two on our two year, I'm pumped about it. Um, I, there's so much, there's so many great conversations we had about season two. I'm really excited to give our top five, bottom five, and just kind of talk about this, uh, overall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, watching it in order and everything, uh, it puts everything into a new perspective with the show that I never really saw it before. So um, I, I really enjoyed the season one wrap up. So I've been looking forward to this The as we kept getting closer and closer the past couple episodes.
1: So I went back because I'm a glutton for punishment and listened to all of our episodes of us talking about these things uh, for, like for season two. <laughs> And you know, not because I like hearing the sound of my own voice, because I don't. I'm always, I'm always like, shut up, Paul. Which actually.
0: Oh shut up, Paul! That's
1: what I hear in my head every time now. Uh, it's back. It's back. Um, so, but I'll tell you though, like I've I've had I've I've had you talking to me while I'm driving my car. I've I've had you sometimes when I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'll listen for like twenty minutes just try to squeeze an episode in. Uh, you've been in the shower with me sometimes with a waterproof speaker. I've had just like thirty hours of The Twilight Zone in the past week and a half uh, just to remember everything we talked about. And frankly, I'm glad that we're here because I don't know if I could take me anymore.
0: well i'm glad you did it and uh again you bit the bullet i did not um i flipped through some stuff uh but i don't know so uh, i'm excited to see what you pull out that i forgot about (laughs) from uh like 40 weeks ago
1: yeah i took i took some notes uh so uh all right so let's yeah we'll just do it this way because uh, uh we're gonna talk about these episodes in full not in full that'd be another 30 hours yeah. There's going to be a lot of discussions about elements of the episode, so it'd just be best to get our, our bottom five and top five out now because I feel like it's, it would step on things later, and you brought up a good point before we started recording. That's the best way to go with this, so I agree. So um, we'll we'll start with our bottom five because, um, you know, let's start with the bottom, and then then we'll celebrate what we feel was the best.
0: Yeah. Um, do you want me to kick it off, or sure. do you want to start? you can start. Okay. Um, I had a lot of trouble putting together a bottom five, this season, which I guess is a good thing because as I went back, there were only a handful of episodes that I particularly like did not care for. Um, but I had four and then I felt bad. I didn't want to <laughs> screw up the format and, uh, I added one in. So take my number five with a grain of salt because I don't necessarily think it's terrible, but that episode is a thing about machines.
1: Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, that's, it, there was, there was good ideas in that, uh, there's some creepy moments in it, just with the, you know, the television, like accosting him, uh, the, the razor that becomes a snake that chases yeah, the, him around the
0: hairdryer. Um, yeah, I like the stuff with the car in the episode and everything, but I think ultimately, uh, I can barely remember the character, um, Finchley. a lot of the, yeah. a lot of the inner workings. Uh, yeah, I Finchley. um, a lot of the inner workings of the plot and everything I kind of forgot. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that it was kind of forgetful, I figured I'll drop it in at number five, but it's, it's not that bad. Um, <laughs> like the, I said, take my number five with a grain of salt.
1: Um, at the time you referred to it as minimum overdrive. So I do appreciate that you said that. So yeah. That's, yeah <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. So there you go. Bottom yeah. five. Right. I guess it deserves to be in there.
1: <laughs> so I, I, you know, I have a hard time always like like doing one through five in terms of like, here's where I kind of group things. So it's hard for me to say that this one's definitely worse than the other ones. It's just ones that I was frustrated with. And I just I don't know, like I've come away feeling flat about them. Number five I'm going to put down. And this is probably in your list is static. Uh, That was one of the videotaped episodes. And we'll talk more about the videotape thing here later. I'm sure I that the story drug along too much. The main character you didn't he was an angry man and i understand that kind of drove the story but you still didn't like him um the ending the last 30 seconds of that episode comes out of nowhere and not in a good way and yeah. I, it just it everything about it just felt felt like it was a good a good premise it just wasn't executed well
0: yeah um yeah it, that one is actually not on my list oh okay worst of um if, if only for the reason that it let us go back and check out the uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, because it came from that. Well, then, then, um, then actually, this is
1: in my bottom. F- the, the number four is going to be static, and number three is going to be static. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm not forever cursed with Are You Afraid of the Dark. And you're right. This episode sparked off that conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Though I would probably put that at my number six, so that that would be my uh, honorable mention for bottom. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that. I would. I don't put, know if that's honorable, a dishonorable. Yeah, uh, mention.
1: I, I would put. Um, I would put the tail station 10, uh, 109.1 above static. So I will. It, it would not. Yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, I didn't know we could put it on our list. <laughs> I, yeah, if you want to. I,
0: I take it back. My number four is tail of 109.7. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's no.
1: funny.
0: Um, uh, yeah, I. I I I thought the episode was just okay, but, uh, I, I remembered more about that than I did think about machines, Mm -hmm. so I'll give it to him. Um, so my number four, my bottom, uh, number four here is prime mover. Really? Yeah. About the gambler of telekinesis. Yeah. Um, (laughs) the further I've gotten away from that, uh, the less I enjoyed it and, the less I ever want to go back and watch it again. And it's surprising because Charles Beaumont. Yeah. And, uh, when we get to our, our top five, uh, <laughs> it might be mostly Charles Beaumont. <laughs> uh, not to spoil anything, but yeah, for some reason I just, I did not enjoy that. Um, I did not like, I like Ace Larson as the lead. Um, uh, Dane Clark, I think was the actor's name. There. Yeah. Cause I screwed um, up. I
1: kept calling him Ace like for real. But yeah, as Dane, you're right. I'm really good at calling characters by their names and not their actor names. I don't know if you guys have noticed this over 2 seasons, but yeah. He was <laughs> he was a little over the top, but uh um Buddy yeah, Epson, and,
0: and Buddy Epson uh I love as him. his friend that comes with him like uh yeah, g- great actor. I just I I wasn't big on how the whole episode ended up playing out. <laughs> and with the fact of him losing his powers and everything at the convenient moment and everything. I, I don't know. So maybe just didn't,
1: <laughs> maybe this didn't will change your like mind. feel like that
0: quality Beaumont I've come to know.
1: That's fair. But what if I told you I had I came up with a really good joke about that episode today. Maybe this will change your mind about it. Uh, um a friend of the show Steve uh, who I do invasion podcast podcast with is now like rapidly catching up because he had not been listening to the show because, you know, things happen and he watched the prime mover today. And he made some kind of Star Wars comment in relation to it. And I said, do you think Jed Clampett's a secret Jedi? And he's like, I think so. And then I wrote back to him, Jedi Clampett. So do you think that changes your – no, nothing? Okay. No, I
0: thought- <laughs> <laughs> no it's still going to sit there. But honestly, maybe it's the fact that it's Beaumont and it fell so short. OK, uh, for me, just ended up hurting this episode way more than it probably would have if it wasn't Beaumont.
1: But static was Beaumont, too. And I feel like that one fell on its keys a lot harder than the prime mover. That's that's me. I'm not trying to cause a beef here, but I, I, thought, I, I
0: think the prime mover is a better overall idea, though. That's, that's where I would go with it.
1: OK, And all right, that's, that's fair. I I, just,
0: I just never want to watch prime mover again. And that's, that's how I put together my (laughs) bottom list was just like, which one is, which ones of these episodes am I just never going to watch again?
1: I thought we'd have uh, some overlap by now, but I think this next one's going to cause some problems for your list. Uh, (laughs) My number four is the mind of the matter. Um, Just again, we just recently watched that one. The masks were creepy. The, the, the main actor, he, he seemed like he was, uh, better than the episode, better than what they would have given him to work with. Just it was a potential for a good idea, uh but it didn't go anywhere and it just kind of meandered and then uh for someone that could, could, could concentrate and do anything, he 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 really just kind of asked for shitty things. And I didn't really care. Yeah, about.
0: it was a frustrating episode to say the least. Yeah. Um yeah, that might show up again. <laughs> uh my number 3 is Mr. Daniel the Strong. Oh. Yeah, um, John Bram directing. I, uh, he's a pretty big name as far as Twilight Zone goes. And Burgess Meredith, who is one of my favorite actors that we've uh, come across on Twilight Zone here. Uh, this one felt really short for me. Yeah. I uh, Again, maybe it was just a big build up getting ready for that next Burgess Meredith performance. But um, the comedy just uh, does not work for me. <laughs> and we've talked about it so many times. And I, I I think the episode is just kind of corny. At the end of the day,
1: your pick here just shocked me so much I fell off the ladder that I was on. That's how uh, how much. No, I'm just I'm kidding. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll use my strength to pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that one wasn't good. I just I don't know. Like I I think maybe because and this is just maybe some rose colored glasses. The conversation that we had about that episode was because uh, I'd listened to it recently. Maybe while I was in the shower. I don't remember. Uh it was so. It, our conversation was so entertaining maybe the episode got rated higher in my head because it was a, such a good talk about it but i didn't yeah, i didn't know that's the great flat. thing
0: about the show yeah. is we can have a great discussion about a terrible episode but <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true yeah it w- that was a fun episode but uh i like i said i never want to watch that one again fair enough
1: <laughs> it's just don rickle socket you in the stomach and throwing you over the bar um yeah all right. so My number three is going to be a bit of a, you're going to, you're going to fight me on this one. Uh, Long distance call. I never want to watch this episode ever again. You turned me around on some of the innate horror of the mother hearing, saying that she can hear the grandmother breathe. Um, The grandmother, her performance drives me nuts. And I can't. I, I hate her performance, even though I get what she was going for. See, this is where the gloves come off. Like we try to, we try to give some credit to the episodes as we watch them. She annoys the piss out of me. Um, and then, even though Billy, Bill Money, Money Mooney, whatever his name is, he will show up later, and he went on to do other things. Child actors back then were not always great. He annoys me. Um, <laughs> it's another one of those video episodes. And then, and even as much fun as having the father talk on the phone, uh, to his, you know, deceased mother saying, let go of Billy. He doesn't even, he hasn't even worn long pants yet as, as entertaining as that is. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I just don't like this episode.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I can get on board with, uh, the grandma's not great in this. Uh, I think the kid was fine. He, he didn't annoy me, but yeah, it, I, th- I think this just kind of comes down to a taste thing, you know. You either like the performances or you don't. Um, I just I like when the episodes go in darker directions, and this one, like just with you saying that she could hear the breathing on the phone, gave me goosebumps all over again. Yeah, it, like, and how many weeks removed are we from this? Like, no,
1: and 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 you that's you you helped me appreciate <laughs> the darkness of the story as we talked about it. I just and, and it sounds like I'm already. I'm, it sounds like I'm ripping the video episodes. But it's just there was there was a good idea here, and I think it had it had been given the freedom of, and I, I'm sure we're talking about this guy again, like um, the departed Douglas Hayes, who left in the like pretty much the midpoint of the season to never mm-hmm. re- return to Twilight Zone. Someone like him would have brought some type of dynamic to this, um, because and, and we'll talk about some of his episodes later. It's so not to ruin our, our lists, but there was just you were limited by the technology because of the videotaping. You were limited by the budget. Um, that shouldn't limit the script, but I feel like it, and remember that wasn't written by Serling. It was written by, um, was it wasn't George Clayton Johnson. No, it wasn't. It was no, somebody it
0: was, else. It was Beaumont and, uh, Bill Idelson. That's right. Yeah. So
1: there was some friction there too. Yeah, I think it was there Bill
0: Idelson's idea and didn't, uh, Beaumont take over and like clean up the teleplay to submit he, it he
1: kept yeah he kind of yeah because
0: like, like Idolson couldn't get approved by the studio or something something like so that. beaumont just kind of put his name on it
1: it was the only episode in the season that serling actually had no producing writing or anything credit with even though there was debate about that last speech of him rewriting it he only got a created by credit for the twilight zone but nothing with the episode yeah uh, so number yeah
0: three. that's not going to end up on my top uh five or anything but i i thought it was pretty decent episode um so we're on two
1: here um yeah
0: yeah okay uh my number two is mind in the matter (laughs) um yeah very frustrating episode um all the things you just said uh the i i think there's a few as far as comedy goes gags that actually work in the episode but overall um I just, I, I just feel like it's a, not that good of yeah, an idea. Like Archibald looking we-
1: at the clock and saying, well, have the th- there's enough of that now. And the clock stops. That's funny. Um, Him waving his fingers to make the turnstile work because he's annoyed that he has to pay for it. And then he's like, not in my world. Like, there there was moments that he did that were entertaining, but the episode was just, like, again, we talked about at the time. For someone that could, he had everything at his fingertips, all his potential. That whole episode is nothing but wasted potential.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like you said we try and give these episodes some like, we try and give them their due when we talk about them, and I don't think I've ever been more frustrated <laughs> with decisions that a character has ever made, yeah. like in any episode of the Twilight Zone, yeah, up until this one, and uh, that this episode is going to stick out in the mind in my mind. Um, and that
1: matters, I know. So. Yeah, it,
0: it matter. It's going to stick in my mind of me just yelling about. Why would you ask for an earthquake when you're the only one?
1: (laughs) Well, you're the only one
0: left on Earth, and you ask for an earthquake,
1: and and you realize that if you had an empty world to yourself, you would go to Walmart and knock over things, and you would go (laughs) to shoot guns, and then go play mini golf, which I think those are all much better things that he did anyway. So I I agree with that.
0: Yeah, um, and by the way, I realized that uh, Last Man on Earth is still going. Yeah, I thought they canceled that show. No,
1: I i like that show a great deal i've not watched any of the season not because i don't like the show it's just that it's just, i I've, i just kind of fell away from it and i want to get back to it and it's just it's yeah. just one of those things i don't know it's it's hard to like commit because the, the show's funny but it also has some really dark like like moments to it so you got to be in that headspace of funny but also like oh this is messed up and kind of sad
0: yeah um but yeah, we, we had talked about that show when we were discussing Mind and the Matter because those are the things that you would do if you were the last person on Earth. Yeah. Uh, fill a swimming pool with margaritas. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, I was watching TV. I saw it pop on and I was like, oh, this uh, this still exists. I thought it got canceled.
1: That's there, cool. There's a whole bit in the later season not to talk about Last Man on Earth, but they find like this uh, uh, like office park that's kind of like a Google type of thing. So it was like, Kind of high tech, and it had its own power. So they were living like this, like you know, very modern life, and like the after of everything, right? And somehow Will Forte's character finds like one of those uh, large T-Rex suits—not the inflatable one, but like a like one you can get in and kind of walk around in, but you can still see him. And he would just kind of stalk around the campus with the other characters and always be like, "Hey, I'm sorry to scare you. It's it's just me, Phil, not a dinosaur." And they're like, "We know it's you, Phil." And he's like, "No, you don't." He just kind of walk away as the dinosaur again. I don't know. Like, Will Forte <laughs> is really good at playing, like, purposely oblivious. And I that's why I love that show. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, but overall, very frustrating episode. <laughs> yes. I, that's the only word that comes to my mind when I think about this one is frustrating. So
1: you, you see me talking about a completely different show where we're even just mentioning a passing that we don't like the mind of the matter. That's not a good sign. Yep. <laughs> All right. So my number two is the Rip Van Winkle caper. Uh, oh, wow. It, it just... Talking about potential and then thinking about that episode again, it makes me so mad because the beginning starts off with that really – interesting music and you see that truck on the horizon and you in the word capers in the title. So you know that there's supposed to be some kind of heist. And then like you hear about how they pulled off this amazing train robbery. And then they just, they all go to sleep in a glass coffin and wake up and drive a truck off a cliff for no reason. And then they walk and get dehydrated in the desert. And then and then they find out gold's not worth anything. Like it just, the whole thing starts off with such a high and then doesn't go anywhere and just becomes so pedestrian and useless, uh, regardless of some of the performances in it.
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with everything you're saying. Um, but some of those highs were too high for me to put it on uh, my bottom five list here. Um, yeah, I, I might talk about that later.
1: <laughs> oh. All right. I like uh, so far I'm surprised that like there is a big difference in our in our bottom five. So yeah, that's yeah. that's it. That's my number um, two. I was
0: mad. I have a feeling that's coming to an end though. <laughs> uh, because I, I have my to be honest here, is, yeah. Uh,
1: Go, go Should for we
0: it. just say it together? Yeah. Uh, our number one is uh, uh, the whole truth. truth. Yeah, that's the yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I, I like that. I mean, I have, I have, I have a car that makes me tell the truth all the time now. So I have to be honest. This was going to be the one. Pretty much any time I thought about episodes that just made me just sad, angry, and mad all at the same time. You know, like man, this yeah, this was just a clunker there, of an episode. There
0: is... I don't know how we discussed this. Did we say any positive things about
1: this? Yeah, we did. Um, There was a couple like the the main actor I forget his name now like his performance like he really leaned into the used car salesman aspects of it Um, there was that weird punch that his associate threw at him in his office whenever he found out that he was never going to get a raise and was kind of being strung along by him there was the gag where he kept repeating on the phone to his wife that he was trying to like he was trying to go out to play cards with his friends and he was going to lie to her and say his inventory he's like sorry honey I can't come out tonight I can't come home tonight I'm going to go play cards with my friends and then he pauses he's like no I meant I'm going to go out and play cards with my friends. Like, there was some good, like, just some delivery of some of the lines. But just, he never learned anything. Like, he passed the car off to Nikita Khrushchev, right? And then called up President Kennedy to tell him, that you know, the the thing he did. Uh, There was, he didn't learn anything. And and they had that horrible stock comedy music and comedy horn music over top of everything. It was a video episode. And it just, it didn't... It never, it never went anywhere worth it. Even though the the main actor, I forget his name now, it, it he was okay, but he wasn't given anything to do.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. It, that as far as those video episodes go, that had to have been the ugliest. Like it had to have been. I, I don't I, know. I, I feel
1: like I feel like static was like the ugliest one. I, something about that just rolled and rippled, and 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 twenty two also rolled and rippled around too. I don't know what happened, but man just it, i guess using a soundstage that's a car lot as well it's i don't know i i just it it was a comedy episode it wasn't good comedy and there was no arc so and we found out that Sterling likes his comedy but it's not a strong suit
0: yeah i mean this is our mr denton on doomsday for uh season two <laughs> for sure yeah uh, pretty much so yeah it's just it's it's crazy how much the comedy does not work on the series and how much they <laughs> keep trying to do it. Well, there's a reason I'm really hoping that. in season three that we get away from this.
1: So here, uh, I'll explain this. So I, I was reading a lot about the season. Uh, where'd it go here? Um, there, I have a lot of notes here basically though. Okay. So he got a lot of letters from fans that wanted more of a balance between light episodes and downbeat stories And he said, and this was some interview somewhere, he's like, we'll do more of our shows tug-in-cheek. We will also have more women as leading characters next season. We will avoid some of the uh, real far-out endings, which leave no alternatives for the viewer. We have found our audiences like they want to think. I don't mean we will have no ending at all, but we'll have final scenes which will give the viewer a chance to decide for himself if there was a logical explanation for what happened. So he was kind of taking feedback that people didn't just want like, you know, amorphous endings or downer endings, which those are the ones you and I really, really react to. And yeah. so he was he, he kinda was like, okay, you kinda have to balance this a little bit and like bring one that's gonna be a a punch in the gut and then also kinda have one that's a little more more light. I mean, I appreciate that, but if we get things like like the whole truth, then don't do it, you know? So Yeah, and I, I'm okay like
0: real Martian, uh will the real Martian please stand up that we covered a few weeks ago. Um like that felt like a good balance, of like tongue and cheek and serious. Like that, I was totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. But he, when he goes really lighthearted with the stuff, it just does not play well for me. Yeah. Um. It, it. I don't know. Maybe he was just too serious a guy to write comedy or something. I don't
1: know. Yeah. I mean, I just i, I feel like he had an ear for a good line. So the, so there's times where even in his. His bad comedy episodes are still good quips. I just think that like he I don't know, when he tries to go zany, it it just it's just not he's he's much more grounded in character. So when he tries yeah. to go when he tries to go really off the reservation, it really it doesn't go anywhere fun, you know. And that's and maybe we'll find out later because I know that um and there's something I'll mention here later as well that there's another um backdoor pilot episode and I don't know if it's in season 3 or later that turns into it's a twilight zone episode but it was a backdoor pilot for another series it's also a comedy one just like mr beavis was so Hmm. you know i don't know if it's something where he felt like he was fulfilling a commitment or he honestly believed that he could write comedies maybe his playoffs 90s stuff maybe there was more genuine humor there because they were all human stories but these just don't feel right
0: yeah maybe he just thought that's where the money was so he was trying to work him in so that he'd be able to like sell them or something. Yeah, well, I don't, look at the I don't TV
1: know. landscape at that time. Like what, like what were the comedies, right? Like there was much more comedy and like cop shows. I feel like those are the only two things that were on at that time. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Johnny midnight, Hawaiian, Eye, and I love Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, like, maybe that's like, he kind of knew that was the, the, the bulk of the stuff out there was comedy. And and he thought to, to get in there, I, I don't know, but the whole truth, I never want to watch this episode ever again. That's like, I just want to, I just want to burn it from my memory, but then, but then I'd forget what it is and I'd watch it again. So I got to remember a little bit about it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'll forget in like 10 years what it's about, <laughs> and I'll accidentally watch it and just be pissed well, off the entire time, because that's like, what happens all the time with TV shows.
1: We we thought so little of this episode that at one point, I think we referred to it as to tell the truth, and nothing but the truth or something. Like We kept calling it the wrong name like after we watched it, <laughs> not during that episode, but later in other discussions we had during the season, so we couldn't even care to remember the name of the episode right. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That.
0: So yeah, there's our there's our bottom five. So we got that out of the way. So now we can actually discuss uh, some good stuff.
1: Yeah. So I'm thinking there's going to be some overlap here. So uh, our top five, uh, we'll just do that right now. Um, I, I'll start with my five. Uh, yeah, go five. for it. So I I put Nick of Time as number five because uh, that's the Matheson episode with the, the Devil Fortune Machine and then Bill Shatt, as uh, we like to call him. Um, yeah. That one just, it, 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 it works for me in a lot of ways because um, the, the ambiguity of it, like it could go either way at any point in the story and someone who might believe that the machine's telling the future and someone that could believe that it's just all in um, uh, Don Carter's head and you could be right. And th- th- there's not too many stories that I have seen, Twilight Zone or otherwise, where it could be supported both ways. And this one was just awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, Shatner's incredible in the episode. Um, excited to see him come back. Uh, and then it, the, the little fortune telling device, the little machine is so cool. Yeah. Like that's, that's one of the most memorable, uh, like set pieces I think I've ever seen in the show Yeah, the mystic so far. Seer. So that's yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It, the mystic seer. Thank you. Um, that thing is so cool. Like that, that, makes the episode for me it does. uh that's on my runner's up list so it's it's not gonna make my top five but i'm glad you brought it up but I,
1: you love chicken fried steak so i thought i might be in your top five you i know? do the
0: chicken fried <laughs> steak uh they're really pushing that
1: yeah they were and then they ordered the sandwiches that were just uh tomato and lettuce i think was the sandwiches they ordered i'm like that's not a that's sandwich a, it's pretty close to what i ate for dinner tonight <laughs> unfortunately so, yeah. i would have wanted some chicken fried, fried steak, steak but yeah. Yeah, so that was my number five.
0: All right. My number five uh, was The Invaders. Mm. Yeah. From uh, director Douglas Hayes. Um, first time on this list here. Uh, written by Richard Matheson or Dick Mass- Matheson, as we heard him refer to in the intro tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, this episode is probably, I'm not even going to say probably, this is one of the best looking episodes of the series. Yeah. Um, it's it's so stark it's so striking um Agnes moorhead as the lead uh the uh, what is her character's name the woman Woman, yeah, yeah. yeah um she is amazing in it and it, it, it's got a fantastic twist that you don't necessarily necessarily see coming um and she plays it perfectly that she doesn't give anything away during mm-hmm. it yeah. It, it's just it, everything down it, like I think the robots are kitschy and really interesting, uh, the design of them. Um yeah, just I I, I really enjoyed that episode.
1: Yeah, just the the mood, the the um the Jerry Goldsmith music. Yeah, yeah, um, let's yeah. Uh, it's and, and also just and and even though anybody could watch this in passing and enjoy it, just reading about just how far they pushed. What they could do in terms of the lighting, like I like re-listening to our talk about it and then kind of going back to it, finding remembering that someone had set up light cues to mimic the the fireplace or a lantern going out, and there's people like dozens of people working lights to make it look like she's affecting the light of this like this house, and knowing that that's something you could simply do now took this huge coordinated effort with someone who. Um, worked with Hayes. What was it like? Like three or four hours at a time on these scenes, and they would film for like seven minutes or whatever. And she really wanted to play it like a wounded animal. Like it's just everything on that just shows right. And and it's just in the in the little the you know the they're not robots. They're you know they're people right. Like they're shown enough to even though even though there are some comedic moments now where like she picks up the one and beats it with <laughs> through, like a bedsheet. Um just there's terror there. Like when the one cuts her foot with the steak knife and the, and just like the, the the hitting her with the radiation and I just, everything about it. It, it's a very, like, it's one of those things that you want to show to somebody that's like, I could make a movie or I could tell a story visually. It's like, okay, well look at this. There's very few words said and everything you need to know is right here. So if you could tell a story visually with no words, that's where you start. And this is like a master class, like top to bottom. And I, I loved this episode. It was my first time watching it for this series.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, as far as what you're saying with the lines, outside of Serling's opening and closing narration, I think there's maybe four lines of dialogue the entire episode.
1: Yeah, it's just it's Douglas Hayes as the captain of the tiny spaceship, like like yeah. is basically saying, Don't come here, there's giants. You know, and then he, and then his spaceship is getting destroyed by a really large axe, by a really large Agnes Moorhead that you find out.
0: It, it And it's fun imagining yourself from their perspective and imagining this giant Agnes Moorhead just destroying your spaceship is <laughs> <It's> terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, but yeah, Invaders, great, great episode. Yeah.
1: So my number four is going to be the one we just watched, The Obsolete Man. Uh, nice. I just, I can't. I, I th- th- there's no way this was not going to be in my top five for this, the season. Just, yeah. uh, the imagery, um, Fritz, Fritz Weaver, not, not, um, Sterka, which what I kept saying last episode. Uh, was it Fritz Weaver? That's, I, I, am not even his name right. The guy who played the chancellor was amazing. Burg- Burgess Meredith was amazing. The, the tall, uh, courtroom or the tall, long courtroom just, and then like that imagery was stark the, the conversation of, you know, the man versus the state. And just that was very strong. And then the horrific ending, like, is haunting. And I don't know how, like, again, this, if people ask me, like, you know, show me the Twilight Zone. Though there's not a single sci-fi element to this, this is quintessential because it has the social commentary. It has, like, the future, the, the, the future that we want to avoid, but that's only three steps away. And I just, yeah it's, it's amazing. I was gonna
0: say like like we were talking about uh when we talked about uh, discuss the episode it, it's not necessarily outright sci-fi but it's built on the pedestal of like classic sci-fi stories mm-hmm. so your mind kind of builds the science fiction futuristic um, outside of these two sets. um yeah yeah, I just love those two actors playing off each other. Um, and, and the teleplay and just how there's that kind of symmetry between the two of them. dialogue, how everything back. Like every single thing that Fritz Weaver sets up as the Chancellor in the beginning first like five ten minutes ends up being mirrored by Burgess Meredith at the end. Mm-hmm. And um, I I think it was... It was some of the smartest dialogue that Serling had written for the show
1: yeah
0: and um, it, it, it I think we also discussed that it could have gone south not having these two actors in those roles <laughs> but uh, yeah and uh, I mean this this could have been like a Douglas Hayes episode'm I'm, I'm surprised it was that Elliot Silverstein
1: yeah
0: um, just because it it looks like the classic. Uh, Douglas Hayes episodes that you imagine, especially with the dark sets and everything. But uh, yeah, this is this is one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, so that's my uh, my number four.
0: Cool. Uh, my number four is Shadow Play. Mm. Yeah, this was uh, one of those instances that I feel like we found the hidden gem of this this season. Uh, I had never heard of this one because even some of the ones like "Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up." that are really held up by fans as being one of the better episodes. I hadn't seen it, but I knew about it Mm -hmm. because it was just like the imagery, like, like Nick of time. Everyone knows the mystic seer. Everyone knows, uh, Barney Phillips with the third eye on his head and everything. Like they're just those certain episodes that are iconic that everybody knows about. Even if you haven't seen it, it just kind of entered into that pop pop culture. Um, repertoire so having shadow play like never heard anyone discuss this episode before um not knowing anything about it going in uh it just ended up being such a powerful experience watching this episode it's such a great looking episode um john bram who is the one uh he is the one that brought in the german expressionist Mm -hmm. uh imagery which uh i i think I, i gotta stop saying I think because it's his vision and bringing that style into Twilight Zone that really gives the whole show its look like the episodes that you that you think Twilight Zone is really pulled from what he brought to the show yeah and uh, there's a lot of it in Shadowplay that just looks amazing and uh, the performances Dennis Weaver um, Harry, Harry Towns like all of them like just top-notch from everybody involved and Charles Beaumont writing it. And uh, although his short story <laughs> <laughs> with the uh, giant lizard monsters or whatever they were um, didn't play out as well as this, um, yeah. I'm glad he got a second chance to kind of rewrite it and get this on Twilight Zone because it, it ended up just being amazing. I'm so happy that we're doing this in order because with a name like Shadow Play, I don't know if I would have ever just clicked on this episode or put this disc in to watch this one. Yeah. Uh, So going in order is this is what I love, that we discover hidden gems like this that people aren't necessarily talking about as much.
1: Just the opening of uh, Dennis Weaver's character in the foreground of him kind of looking off like off camera and the lights all coming on and like being in the middle of a court proceeding. That's awesome. Uh, There's there's some Mm -hmm. modern like modern style edits. I know we talked about this previously, but like the switch from him talking about being in the electric chair and, and you know, being fried to a smash cut to steaks being pulled out of an oven is very yeah. jarring, but also very you'd almost expect that as a jump scare in a movie now because you'd go from a quiet moment to a loud noise, right? Like, that yeah, works. and
0: then you could hear the whole theater laughing for a few minutes after, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that was so scary, yeah, yeah, I um, totally
1: agree. Um, that and then also, and we mentioned this at the time, that this was a very meta idea of the whole the main character being aware he's in a dream that it's of his creation and how how you could try to poke holes in the story but when you come to the realization that it's his dream so logic doesn't have to be logic it's a very tightly wound nightmare and it is it was surprising to me because I'd never I'd never seen it before and it took me like the second viewing to put all the pieces together you know and like think about being the audience, like the person at home watching this on a Friday night. And then if you weren't paying attention and then be like, what? And then you may never see this again until it was a syndication. Like you would have well, yeah, so many ju- questions. Just his,
0: his lines in the courtroom at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I, I had to go back immediately after the episode was watch it. Cause it kind of plays in that loop. And, uh, it, 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 happens so quick and you feel like it's something that you don't necessarily have to pay attention to at that moment. And then you're like, Oh, he just gave the entire uh, premise of this episode in that like 10 seconds of him shouting. <laughs> yeah. It, um, which, which I guess could be a problem, but uh, it, it lent itself well to rewatch and uh, rewatch. And I will definitely watch this again. And this is one that I'll show people um, when they're like, yeah, I've seen all twilight zone. It's, it's like, like, no, you what, haven't <laughs> have you seen <laughs> shadow play, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, cause like we said, we thought we had seen most of these episodes. And we were barely scratching That's the surface. I realize
1: I only saw like six. Like I, every time I go back, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I haven't seen it. I just I don't know. Like,
0: <laughs> but again, it's it's so ingrained into pop culture now that you just feel like you've seen stuff. Mm-hmm. And you go back and you're like, I guess I haven't. I guess yeah. I haven't seen any of this. But Shadowplay is just one. I I don't. I'm I'm curious. Next time uh, they do the Twilight Zone marathon on uh, sci-fi. I'm curious to see if this gets played.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would think that eventually that they would over the marathons and change it up. Yeah, there, right? at, at so, some
0: point. Yeah. But I'm like,
1: yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So that was your. You said your number four. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the, the surprise, surprise. This is my number three. So there, there was shadow play. So we don't need to talk oh. about it again. But I was like, oh, that works out because so we just kind of, it's kind of right there together. It's just it. You're right. This if. If I had to give an episode like most surprising in terms of like being like high twilight zone that no one talks about this is it and then and I, and we talked about it during the episode I feel like this is one that's only going to get stronger over time as the audience gets more sophisticated and acknowledges story structure and the idea of meta because I feel like that's something that's more prominent now and people could kind of be clued in to like you're along for this the structural like it, it was, it was a different half hour television then that probably put a lot of people off, but now I think more people are prepared for it and can appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So my number three is eye of the beholder.
1: Oh, nice. I, as Which I is, still burp yeah. myself, I'm so shocked. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. As
0: I burp. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: Very
0: eye of professional the here yeah. on our two year anniversary <laughs> of doing the show. Um, So yeah, number three, I have the beholder second appearance of Douglas Hayes on my top five. Um, yeah, I, I got a thing for this director in this series. He was just the perfect fit for the show. Um, I have the beholder. I I don't know really what else I can say that we didn't say during the episode. Um, just such an iconic twilight zone episode, uh, down to the twist. Um, the, uh, the imagery in the episode, the, all of the performances, that are kind of shielded performances because they yeah. can't really give it their all. Um, it was just a really interesting idea. The themes that it presents in the episode, I think are timeless and that as long as there are human beings with uh, thought <laughs> uh, it, this episode will have something to say to you. And that that's why another thing I love about twilight zone is that he can tackle political uh, issues of the time. But he can also just tackle human uh, issues, you know, just stuff that everybody deals with on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, the idea of beauty and everything uh, is something that's never going to go away. And the fact that he didn't use like traditional sense of beauty or anything um, because people are never going to turn into pig people.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, he,
0: he uses such an exaggerated style to what ugly is that and what beauty is, you know, that like it it ends up being timeless. It just I I love Eye of the Beholder.
1: Oh, it's a good episode. I just it's funny to mention here that uh, Richard Matheson commented that uh, he and Beaumont never wrote social commentary, but Serling did. So it's like you think about it and it's like you it's easy to lump them together because like I know you like Beaumont for like he he really kind of gets more of the horror and more of the fantastic. And Matheson is much more like there is horror there, but there's always like logic to it. Yeah. Like, and yeah. um, but like it, but they never really veer towards commentary. They just kind of tell good stories and Sterling just comes in sometimes being like, We're gonna draw a stark line and show people what you know what we're thinking. And and this was one of those ones that like it it should put you a put you back on your heels and think about about your perception of what is acceptable and what the norm is. And I feel like this is another one of those ones that considering that we live in a world full of like, you know, like everybody, like everybody's always their best self on social media, right? Like this, this is more prevalent now. And, uh, it's, it's a very effective episode. I love that Douglas Hayes had had the actors that were going to be, um, not shown for the first three quarters of the episode. He cast them based upon the kindness of their voice And not their face i I thought that was awesome i liked i I liked that even though it was a struggle at times just because of the of the cameras being probably seven thousand pounds how they were able to keep um people like you know not you there was the whole sequence with the doctor talking to the nurse and how they had people pass in front of their faces and there was purposeful moves so you wouldn't see them even though you know it's coming they did a good job of of trying to distract you from not seeing it, and it just, yeah. there's there's a lot of good there.
0: Yeah, and it, it sucks because again, since this is just you know what they look like, like even if you haven't seen this episode at this point in 2018, this this twist is spoiled. But yeah, putting myself back into 1961 and imagining sitting down on a Friday night. And seeing this reveal in this twist for the first time and without having any knowledge of what was coming, this had to have been such a, a such a memorable experience to see on TV. And yeah. that's what I try and do with these twists. Cause a lot of times they're spoiled at this point. So, yeah. um, putting yourself back there, um, no pun intended with that episode title. Um, it just really, it really puts things in a different perspective.
1: So, this so. isn't this isn't about either beholder, but I feel like it, it chimes into something similar. The the film uh, Carrie, you know the the original Carrie, uh, yeah. with, when they were test screening it, they uh, Stephen King went with his wife Tabitha King to go see the movie. They were going to be in the audience to see the secret test screening that people didn't know, and the the audience that went to go see a movie that night thought they were seeing a Red Fox film, so they <laughs> show Carrie instead. So the crowd is largely African American. And so it's just Stevie King and his wife sitting in this room full of people expecting a Red Fox comedy, and they watch Carrie instead. And so you get to the end of that film whenever it's that kind of like dream sequence of, of her friend going over to Carrie's grave and then like Carrie, her hand bursts out and grabs her. Uh, it's yeah. that big jump scare at the end. Stevie King ca- talks about how he was so worried that he's like, I don't know how this movie is going to go with people here. And there was someone behind him that the moment that happened – they started yelling, she ain't ever going to be right. She's never going to be right. Like, that, that. there's no coming back from that. And he knew that that film was going to be kind of universal with scaring people. And it makes me feel like Eye of the Beholder was one of those things where people probably watched that, and they were kind of broken for a minute, you know? So yeah. that, that's how I appreciate that ending of, like, oh, wait, she's beautiful, and they're not? And that, that's a bummer of a Friday night, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's that's so much fun imagining people just disappointedly watching twilight (laughs) (laughs) zone in like 1960 uh just like oh all
1: right time for bed yeah i I, I guess guess i'm a bad uh, person you know (laughs) yep (laughs) oh so so Yeah, yeah that was that
0: was my number three
1: nice all right so my number two um and i can't make it number one just because i'm biased towards a certain holiday but number two is night of the meek um Oh, nice. I I, 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 just, I gushed about it then and the, and even though it it isn't the prettiest episode and that's the only fault of that episode it wasn't shot on film. I absolutely loved um, Art Carney as uh, drunken Santa Claus. He was the soul of that episode and it even though it isn't like the most Twilight zone of episodes, it surprised me at how much I enjoyed a holiday episode that didn't have any malice in it whatsoever. And I just I thought this thing was just beautiful and wonderful, and I just was not expecting it.
0: Yeah, and I think it says a lot. We covered this episode in October. Yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the week before Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, and if anyone knows uh, knows me, like uh, Halloween is my favorite holiday, and uh, I enjoy Christmas, but I get burnt out very quickly of Christmas, and I was dreading watching this. Cause watching a Christmas episode in the middle of prime horror movie time was, it was eating away at me. So I finally sat down and watched this and I also really loved this episode. <laughs> uh, it, it won me over and I, I ended up rewatching it around Christmas. Oh, just nice. I, I was like, I, I got to bring it back when it's actually in season. Um, I think I watched it like December 23rd or something like right before Christmas. And uh, it, it played just as good on the second viewing. Yeah. Uh, not in my top five, but it, that's another honorable mention. And,
1: and there's a kid that uh, asks for a gun, and there's definitely a cat that was in that bag for a long time before <laughs> it goes running out. Like, there's just things yeah. in there. And then there was... Uh, um...
0: That cat was in there for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Did the uh, elves make the cat?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there was Piglet that was there, and he kind of starts hit, hitting on the cop at the end of the episode. There's just a lot there. I really uh, I forgot
0: about poor Piglet <laughs> and his uh, <laughs> untimely death.
1: Yeah, but he wanted some cherry brandy, right? And that's what he got, yeah. you know. So no, he wasn't untimely. He died like le- a lot later. Remember we talked about the sadness of him and the uh, actor? Didn't he die right after uh, Eeyore? No, died? Uh, the guy who does the voice of Tigger. They died within Tigger. Like, that's like a, right. It yeah, was Tigger. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess not untimely. That's very timely. <laughs> yeah, it was very sad. Um, uh,
1: yeah. Um, but
0: it was very depressing uh, yes. passing. But, um, but the fact it, that Tigger and P- Piglet died like <laughs> the, like within a day of each other, yeah, um,
1: it's so sad. It is. Um, we'll, we'll never go back to the 100 hundred acre wood now. Uh, so, but yeah, but I they liked. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> yeah, I just this episode was. I, it showed that even though they were limited because they had to shoot on the soundstage, and they were limited with some of the stuff they could do, it still was directed well, and the performances were good. You know, and the story was good. And, and even though we found out that Serling wasn't the biggest fan of it in hindsight, I, this is his most, his most optimistic and, um, and considering some of the dark corners we go into yeah. like this, this was just, I, again, I never thought I would be, uh, wowed by the one Christmas episode of the twilight zone that was shot on video.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up not putting it on my list just cause, um, it, it didn't necessarily feel like a twilight zone episode. Mm-hmm. That, that's its only fault Yeah, um, as far as I'm concerned, but yeah, great, great episode. I'm, I'm glad you put it on your list because I wanted to talk about it <laughs> at some point tonight. Um, so my number two is The Obsolete Man. Oh, there we go. Which we already discussed. Uh, don't have to go back into that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that conversation is now obsolete, so we need to move on. Uh so yeah, my number one is the invaders. And the reason I put that number one is because if you if you if you like boil me down to my like central core of like um this, the story in that it's sci-fi ish, you know, I mean it is sci-fi. But the whole struggle, the visual storytelling, the economy of just the script is just—it's so tightly done, and the production is so tightly done that it just—it would be silly of me to not like this. This is everything I love in like a short format story, and um, the more I think about it, the more I like it.
0: Yeah, um, I, man, our number ones are so telling of our viewing tastes and what we're interested in. Pretty sure. Cause you probably know is. what my number one is.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it's the whole truth. You lied. You put it back up there at number one. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to screw fake. with you guys. Yeah.
0: Um, no, my number one is the howling man. Yes.
1: So, uh, wonder why Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm
0: so happy <laughs> that we saw this episode in the season. Like, and, uh, even the fact that I was able to dig up the Charles Beaumont story because the story is just as amazing as this episode. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I This is my favorite horror entry into Twilight Zone. Um, I love the transformation oh, of him amazing. into the devil, it's
1: amazing. which
0: um, we'll talk about our favorite moments coming mm-hmm. up here in a little bit too. Um, but I that transformation just blew me away for 1960 like it's some of the coolest effects i've ever seen um the look of the old gothic castle and everything that the monks are in um i i I don't know it just everything worked together and it just hit all of my tastes (laughs) in film and tv and uh and literature like everything came together in this episode for me and it might not be the best looking one like i said i think the invaders is right there up there with like the best looking episodes of the series um but just as far as my tastes like if i was to sum up like horror twilight zone everything like this is what i love <laughs> Is the Howling Man.
1: <laughs> well, like there was the, the crazy angles of uh whenever you had the character, like he was getting woozy and then the whole camera would just tilt left and right. That oh, was yeah, very 90%. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then um the, the gentleman who was Brother Jerome that was like kind of same to begin yeah, with, John, but then John Carradine.
0: Yeah. Which just the presence of uh, John Carradine bumped this uh, this episode up quite a bit for me as and well. A,
1: and the staff of uh, staff of truth, I kept saying staff yes. of power. I don't like. Just, it feels like something out of an RPG. It's like I need I need my staff of power. It's plus seven to fighting the devil. Uh, <laughs> but like that whole bit, and then the the conversations between the main character and the Howling Man were interesting. Um, and then the transformation yeah. is that, yeah
0: the ending too.
1: The little tiny staff of truth though still pisses me off. I don't know what it is about that. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. But it's like that just shows that like it doesn't matter what the locking mechanism is. Like it just feels weird. It's like you could have a staff of truth to be the size of a toothpick, and I guess it would hold the door together. I I don't understand that. I guess it's more the symbol but it would just crack. Yeah. I was
0: going to say it's basically the stand in for a crucifix. Yeah. So but
1: still like the size should matter. Right. I think that is uh, whatever. I also like that the lady that he, the main character told the story to was like, okay, don't open that door. I'm going to go tell brother Jerome that I have the devil again. And then as soon as he leaves, she just turns around and starts moving that staff of power. It's like, why would you open the door after he told you this whole story? And it was just, that was, it was funny. And it, I don't know. It was it just, it kind of, I know it's, th- that's
0: not, the, it's, it's horror movie tropes. <laughs> it is but like, it, don't open the door. Yeah, the transformation, though, open the door.
1: is lights out. Like the, the red green camera shift of showing the definition on his face, just as you realize like, Oh shit, this is the devil. And then the quick cuts between the columns as he's marching and getting more and more, you know, like horrific, like that stuff is, it, it's so, People can't do that now with planning, you know, and yeah, like and it's it, so
0: smooth. It's smooth. It, it's really smooth. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, this this episode, I wholly admit, comes down to a taste thing for me. Like this just this is my style of gothic horror and I love it.
1: I just I think it's funny that I picked like the, the sci fi thing and then you, you pick the horror thing and I know we always that's, joke I about said, that's that why said always that I said I think our number ones yeah. are
0: very telling of our yeah. taste. Uh
1: but yeah that's, that's... But
0: yeah, I mean the invader showed up on mine, so I've come a long way. Uh, from being a horror guy <laughs> to a sci fi guy. So
1: um I forgot to mention in my bottom five an honorable mentions encounter with the unknown. I just want to throw that in there. Like I figured <laughs> <laughs> I almost I made almost it my drunk. number one. I almost made it my number one, but I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> um,
0: Again, I didn't know I could do that. I so. didn't,
1: yeah, um, you know, I, whatever. It's season two, and then we watch the stuff during season two. It doesn't really count. But so, yeah. okay we're going to talk about some favorite moments here, but I want to get into a little well, bit I, of, I want
0: to hear what are your runners up for uh, oh, top five
1: shoot for like favorite ones. Um, yeah, let me, yeah. Cause up.
0: I, I got a couple, so, okay,
1: let me go. Th- I got to bring up the list because I only, I only did like that. So let me one second. You okay. Think, well, you think-
0: I, I threw a few on the bottom, so okay. I'll, I'll jump into mine while you're flipping through there. Um, I threw back there. That was a close mm-hmm. one. Um, mainly because of the score yes. on that, because it's still my ringtone on my phone. <laughs> Uh, It terrifies me every time it rings Um, a surprising one that I uh, actually went back to as I was doing some uh, uh, show prep for this lateness of the hour really yeah I I really enjoy that episode and then uh, Nick of time I had on my uh, honorable mentions as well.
1: So I think I, I'm gonna put uh, the man in the bottle just because, uh, and I think we'll talk about our favorite twists. Um, just yeah. because that one, that one's also like it has kind of like it, it has it's, it has some comedy, but it's not screwbally. It. But then, but then the twist is so horrific that it's funny, you know. So I like that one. Uh, the genie's kind of a dick. I kind of appreciate that too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I like that one. Um, and then, like even that like, feels like the chaser of the season. It does. You're right. Um, so of course, I'm gonna like that one. Uh, what else do we have in here that I liked a, a fair amount? Um, Hundred yards over the rim. Just for the first half of the visuals of that that episode is so good, and the music's so good. Um, um, the actor Uncle Ben like running through the desert at the end is not so good, but just the visual, the visual silhouette of him with the top hat looking in the horizon. Yeah. It's just so good. Like the look of that episode is amazing, so I dig that. Um, yeah, the
0: episode's kind of flat outside of some of the visuals. Yeah, but yeah,
1: it's so good. So, cool. and yeah. then um, and also Nervous Man in a Four Dollar Room, just because yeah. one, uh, we learned some stuff that we didn't know before about the 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 calling somebody a gleep is not what you want to call somebody. Um, but <laughs> a, a strong the, the the story itself isn't strong, but the interplay between the the character and himself, how they, they pace that. And Douglas Hayes is directing again. You know, it's there, there was, there's a lot of good in that episode. So those are some ones that, that didn't make my top five, but I liked a lot.
0: Yeah. I, I had that on my honorable mention, but I didn't want to give half the season as like, it almost <laughs> made my list. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that one just again, like seeing what they can do on a limited budget with one set, it's yeah. just really impressive sometimes. And we had that with uh with a few episodes in season one as well. Um I'm drawing a blank on uh
1: Well like sh- limited sh- budget. Which, like, so, um
0: Well, just with like like, like the last flight, yes. where it basically takes place in like one room the entire episode. And um this was similar to that where it's just like it's really impressive how compelling you can make it with one character in one room. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's kind of an interesting, um, interesting idea. I'm, I'm surprised so.
1: that the silence didn't end up in your top five because that's everything about that episode's brutal. I figured yeah. that would be one that you'd be well, all about. Yeah. It,
0: it might come up here. Still. It,
1: okay. So, um, okay. So, uh, this, is some, just some stuff I just want to mention here. Cause I just feel, I can't not, not mention it here. Uh, during this time, uh, at the very beginning of the episode, whenever certainly accepted his Emmy for writing that was for season two, by the way, I just want to throw that uh, this wasn't just like, so he won that and he called out Dick Matheson and, you know, George Clayton Johnson and Charles Beaumont and said he wanted to carve up the, <laughs> the Emmy as a Turkey. So I like that. I thought that was great. That's um, great. and the fact yeah, that I, I found that I think audio... it really
0: deserves it. Like I said, the, my bottom five was hard to put together. Mm-hmm. I feel like this season was overall higher quality than the first one. Um, even even with the video uh, episodes and huh. everything, I feel like the writing um, overall just was a little bit stronger in the season. Like there were a lot of episodes that were just good.
1: Yeah, like, I, I maybe not
0: great, I, But I, like as far as terrible, like there was no Mighty Casey. There was no uh, what's the one with uh, um, dude from Bewitched.
1: Oh, um well, uh, which, which dude from bewitched because, uh, he was also in the purple Testament. You're talking about, uh, a Dick York. Cause, uh, oh, Penny, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. Penny for Penny for your thoughts was in the season. And that no, one was okay. okay. No,
0: Penny yeah. for your thoughts was fun.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: no, that's not who I was thinking of then. Uh, but like I shot an arrow into the <laughs> air. Like there are so many episodes that are just as far as like strange highways goes, legendary of us just being angry after watching them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I I feel like season two, like overall just had more, just good episodes. Like everything was a little bit more entertaining See, and, uh, yeah, I, am
1: going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree or disagree. I feel like this thing wobbled pretty hard back and forth at times. Like, even though we had fun with some of the stuff, even like something like, and, and, and maybe I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, like the trouble with Templeton wasn't that great of an episode, but there was one fantastic moment in it. And then immediately after yeah. that, you get a most unusual camera, which was okay and it just it has the greatest ending ever just because it makes no sense but it just kept there was just a lot of of veering back and forth between like high mark and then eh, you know like like we had like look like, like
0: Brock- I guess it's just not as many terrible episodes
1: I, mean, I guess that's
0: really all it yeah. is
1: so there's some stuff that feels flat to me and I don't know if it's just you know after <laughs> watching them over and over again and reading about them um I, I mean I I think that so here, here, here's a quote from uh, Serling. This will maybe sum this up. Uh, some of the shows were too different. Of the first 36, he's talking about season one, I think I'm proud of about 18. There are others I liked, and there were some I wished we had never heard of in the first place. So he was talking about the first season, and he feels like maybe, you know, he started kind of, he felt like he was kind of suffering from some exhaustion because he literally, it was bed rest for part of the season. Um, And there's another thing he says here too. The experience of the twilight zone has proven to me that writing a pilot is a quick walk around the block. It's the further requirements of scripts from me that have proven itself such an assault on my physical condition and my sanity on zone. I'm just starting my 45th script and I find myself feeling like a potato sack that's been out in the sun for a better part of July. Like, so Jeez. like, I love his word choice, but it's like this poor dude was pushed so hard because of the commitments that he made just to get the show like up and running. And I feel like yeah. some of the seams were showing a little bit on this season. All
0: right. Yeah, I, I like the season quite a bit, so I, <laughs> I, I can definitely see him. He, there were a lot of recruiting of other writers on this season compared to season one. Yeah. So, and a lot, maybe it was just because there were a uh, lot of lots of Beaumont and uh, Douglas Hayes in the <laughs> beginning maybe. of the series. Well, and then, but, um,
1: also too, CBS wouldn't commit to the second half of the season order until late, so they didn't know what they were doing. So, like in terms of like, is the show going to go on? Is it canceled? And then when CBS, they only originally ordered ten episodes for this season, and then they eventually said, "Yeah, we'll give you the rest." Can you think like think about that kind of pressure? Of preparing for like what might be the end but then also having to have like 15 20 scripts to go in case you get the green light like there yeah, was a man, lot that's, of
0: that's 26 more screenplays yeah. that you would have to have yeah ready not 27 more episodes that you would have to, oh no i'm looking at season three here yeah 26 so it's like
1: it's two-thirds of your season
0: yeah, like you at least have to have some outlines put together, like story ideas yeah. put together.
1: So, I mean, I, I think that there was some stuff here where maybe it got kind of rushed just because either they didn't know what was happening or because the the, the signal came so late that they just kind of went with it, right? So. There was a lot, CBS meddled a lot. There was like a a gentleman that kept, I forget his name here, but he would constantly be checking in. And eventually he hounded Buck Houghton so much that Sterling called this guy and was like, can you let Buck just do his job? Because I feel like if I have to keep reporting to you guys, it's affecting the quality of the episodes. And they, they were so, they would give him budgets that were down to the penny. And he would tell them like, you know, you know this is going to go over because we might need to sh- need to shoot more film or something's not going to work. And CBS is basically like, "Yeah, we know that could happen, but try to stick to this." Like there was so many like constraints and so much pressure put on him on the season that I, I mean, I don't know about season three, but he really he almost walked away from the series. Like he said, if there was a way he could have, he would have, but the money he was getting was too good. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he did. Me too. I just, I guess, I'm just trying to like show that, like, I mean, they're like, I, I've enjoyed talking with you about every single one of these episodes, regardless of how I feel about it. It's just that I do feel like the second half of the season, though we ended on the high point of the obsolete Man, there you just, I just felt like we were just running these stretches of like where two or three would just feel flat, and and I don't know if it's just my perception, but I feel like some of this was happening. Because of the speed of them just trying to get caught up, because CBS is like, finally you can you can do this. By the way, you have no money. Like it was just this constant back and forth.
0: I'm I'm trying to see. So, out of that uh, past episode ten, as we were discussing, mm-hmm. uh, four out of five of my bottom five come from episodes eleven through thirty six. Huh. So I'm th- that's interesting. Now that you say that, like with all the constraints and everything of him having to rush through that. Like, I guess it is kind of evident that some of the quality laxed as the season went on. I mean, it's interesting.
1: Yeah. So, um, so there was uh, what was it? Um, there's a couple of things that happened too. So there's another another quote here. I like to, in order to get extra dough from these tight bastards, this is his words. I had to commit (laughs) to three pilots and an exclusivity order for another year in the area of new program development. This totally mitigates uh, against any real deal between um, uh, a deal between us for the next twelve months, and probably ruins our friendship. Basically, CBS was asking so much from him and not giving him anything that he just kind of soured on CBS's relationship. And this, I mean, it's it sucks because this thing lasts five seasons, but you see that like he, their relationship was just it was it was broken at this point. And, it's, and, and at this point, too, CBS started kind of, like, sniffing around the idea of making these hour-long episodes, which is what was originally was pitched, the Twilight Zone, but CBS wouldn't give them an hour. But then they started saying, hey, maybe you should do this, which is eventually what happens in season four. So, like, they yeah. didn't even know what they wanted. And so, how can you serve all these masters, you know, without feeling like a sack full of potatoes in the sun?
0: Yeah. <laughs> that is a great word. Yeah. but Leave it up to
1: Sterling. Come up with some... Uh, <laughs> Um, so, uh, and I'll mention some, I have a Douglas Hayes moment here too. So I'll mention that in a second, but, uh, um, let's see here. What, um, there is a statement here when he found out that he actually got, uh, when CBS said we're doing a third season, he says, it does appear the twilight zone will stay alive for another season. I don't know whether to cheer or sl- or cut my wrists. Like <laughs>
0: Oh, Douglas Hayes. No, well, that well, was, he that, was, was so that
1: was Serling. He said basically. Oh, okay. I, have I du-
0: thought you, I thought you were giving me a Douglas Hayes quote. There. I, I have a statement
1: Wait. from him about the Serling appearances in the camera. I do and I want to talk to you about that more in full here in a second. But yeah, oh, okay. Serling but, uh, was just uh, yeah. Oh, geez, man. He, he was just torn apart just bef- from the expectations and and also knowing his own standard for quality and his own self criticism. He was pushed really, really hard at this time so yeah yeah.
0: well it explains the
1: cigarettes yeah right so um (laughs) so yeah we talk about favorite moments of the episode so we would do this where we talk about like there's two things that happened the season that didn't happen the season before one videotape episodes which never happened again and two serling was in front of the camera for every episode so what was your favorite serling showing up in front of the uh, the camera like what like if you could think off top of your head which one did you like the best
0: Um, off the top of my head, I enjoyed, um, I think the silence, is that the one where he's, he's sitting in the room with
1: everyone? Um, well back there, he shows up in like the over the easy chair with the the paper. So he's in the gentleman, the gentleman's Okay. Yeah.
0: Back there. Yeah. I I love when he lowers the paper and when you go back to the beginning, when they do the overview of the room, he is sitting there with (laughs) the paper in front of him in that wide shot. So I think that's probably my favorite. I was confusing it with the silence where he's, he's in that club, but he's not sitting like that. But
1: um, I, yeah, I, back yeah. there
0: is my favorite. That was probably the most funny one.
1: I think, I think the prime mover for me, just because he walks through the woods, like through, through the trees and he's like, shows up after the car wreck and he starts talking. <laughs> and it's like, where were you? Like, I like that one.
0: Yeah, that one's goofy. I posted that on the Instagram page oh, just because <laughs> he looks so awkward trying to get through the branches of that tree.
1: And I also like the man in the bottle because he's in the foreground talking about how, how poor and messed up the, the <laughs> owners of the shop are, and they're like with an earshot. I like that. He's like, these people aren't living a good life or whatever. It's like, Rod, we can hear you. Like, I like that. Like, so, But I think this added another another element, right? So I, I, I feel like like, and also, this is this is behind the scenes. Serling and CBS, uh, it came to the realization that Serling should be the face of the Twilight Zone. you know. So he started showing up in more and more promotional materials and also putting him on the forefront of, the, of each episode. Because since it was an anthology, you couldn't have reoccurring characters. So who's the, who is the reoccurring character? It's Serling. So it was a smart move. And I enjoyed, for the most part, every time he would show up. I feel like he wasn't utilized always the best. But I really, really enjoyed him always introducing the episodes.
0: Yeah, I uh, I love it too because I have always grown up like loving horror hosts. Like in Cleveland, we had Goulardi and everything, and it was like super host, you know, Vampira, Zachary, all those people. And this was kind of the boom of that was 1950s, 1960s, and this is almost like the sci-fi equivalent to a horror host where it's it's just doing this anthology series. So having him come in and introduce it and everything, it gives me that vibe. And there's something really charming about having him introduce each character. And it, it creates this world. It's all, you know, like he, he is the one that knows he's, he's the one telling the stories. He's, he knows the twilight zone, you know, in this world that all of this is taking place in. So it kind of creates a mythos surrounding the show. Yeah. So I think it was a great idea.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I just I I enjoyed it and also this is something I you know, how many how many other things can you can you associate the face of the creator with? I mean, other than like, you know, you got George Lucas with Star Wars and you got a couple of those, right? But like when you think Twilight's. Yeah, Zone, but you Lucas
0: think... wasn't walking in like <laughs> reading the scroll <laughs> at the beginning of Star Wars. <laughs> I don't know how well that would Oh, That, that
1: would have been played. terrible. That would be like, oh God. I, no, no. <laughs> no, but you're right. Like, and so here's the Beaumont, not Beaumont, the Douglas Hayes thing I wanted to mention. He thought it was very important to have Rod on set when he was doing the episodes in proper and mix in with the actors in action when delivering his intros. So you can thank Douglas Hayes uh, for really trying to integrate uh, Serling in, right? Um, as much as I really, really, really wanted Serling to be one of the monks in the Howling Man and take off a wig and show up, like, I I, like I still, like, I still think that's a wasted opportunity, but I really liked the ways he would try to bring him in. Like, uh, and it was usually inventive, sometimes not, but I, I always liked he was always off in the corner watching it with us.
0: Yeah. Um, well, hopefully as we move forward in the series, they get more inventive with this cause I need some goofy Serling, uh, yeah, right. <laughs>
1: introductions. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, uh, um, I don't know how much we want to talk about the video episodes. I think we talked about them enough as they happened. They were an experiment. They failed. Weirdly enough though, 22 and I, the meek were pretty good episodes and I know you liked uh, lateness of the hour. So at yeah. least it just showed that the format wasn't holding back the story.
0: Yeah, at the end of the day, they're great ideas, Um, great, uh, great actors put into some of the roles and everything. And so it—it just a lot of times it was just that. What if like what if we got a great director and this was shot on film and the money that was put behind some not so great episodes were put behind a great idea, like something of lateness of the hour or something like uh, Night of the Meek. Um, it, It just it leave something to be desired unfortunately but there's still great ideas there's no denying that so yeah uh, but yeah i'm i'm glad the video episodes are behind us at this point
1: <laughs> i just i don't the film is beautiful even even as oh, as, yeah. as something. i mean uh,
0: yeah imagine, uh, I, I think i brought it up when we were talking about in the invaders so like imagine how much would have been lost in that if <laughs> that was done uh shot on video and that could have been something that they could have made work shot uh, like that. That could have worked on video because it was just one location the entire time. Yeah, that's true. So I'm I'm happy they didn't because it turned out to be one of the most beautiful episodes of the show. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah. OK, I'm, I'm glad it's behind us.
1: Me too. Um, and <laughs> this is kind of a loaded question. Uh, favorite twist. I think I know what my favorite twist for you was in terms of the this season and that was the man in the bottle with the guy suddenly becoming hitler i think that was my favorite favorite <laughs> twist to hear you react to it that that cracked me up because uh, it was so sudden and so relatively close to world war ii that you have what well, lou adler i think was the actor's name who is a jewish actor suddenly show up as hitler <laughs> in an episode and it was uh <laughs> It was, it was like for an episode that was kind of, you know, kind of like lighthearted and kind of tongue in cheek, it took a turn and uh, it still was played for comedy though. Like I, that, that I feel like it was, it was effective.
0: Yeah. That was your favorite or was that your prediction for mine?
1: I mean, I still like that a lot. So, I mean, I figured, but I just know that you were, uh, like trampled over by it. Like you couldn't, you couldn't process that this guy was Hitler for a second and I enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, it, it was fun. I don't know if it's my favorite <laughs> Um like we talked about Eye of the Beholder. Yeah. I think that one putting yourself in the in the position of watching this without knowing what's happening. Uh unfortunately we didn't get to watch it like that. But um I, I think that might be my favorite. And then I I had two others that I was kind of throwing around. Trouble with Templeton. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that he comes back with the script. Yeah. I w- of what happened when he was in the speakeasy. Like, that was something I didn't see coming, and I thought it was a nice little subtle twist at the end. And then uh, uh, the silence as well. Okay. Um, I, I enjoyed... The, there's the twist of him not having money at the end, it's which it, you can see coming yeah. for a mile away. But then when he lowers the scarf and everything, you see that his vocal cords have been cut. Um, that, that, that twist was pretty great, too, but... Yeah, him becoming Hitler is pretty amazing as well.
1: <laughs> I think I think the twist of the actor uh, Franco Tone finding out that we we found out that he got the shit beat out of him in between uh, days of filming, and they had to make some creative decisions to hide up his beat up face. That's my favorite twist, but it doesn't really play into the episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I um, it, you, the things you mentioned are good. I I think even as much as I didn't care for the the episode of the the Odyssey of Flight Thirty Three the the ending of them just pushing forward like i didn't see that coming like that's that that kind of catches you off guard like that's a good one um yeah i don't there's i don't know like i just feel like some of the stuff feels like things we've seen before so it's hard to say you know this is a twist that i didn't see coming um i'd even say shadow play like the whole like condemned to repeat even though you kind of know what was happening you kind of fought like as a viewer you were hoping it wouldn't be like that. And it still played out that way.
0: Yeah. Um, odyssey of play 33 though, gave us the amazing, uh, dinosaur. (laughs) And that was probably one of my favorite discussions is how much the dinosaur made in comparison to the actors.
1: Yeah. It made like six or seven times more than the actors. I love it. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, that was, that was fun. Um, but I, yeah, it's the, we have, we have struggled this season with identifying twists, quote unquote, um, because some of these aren't necessarily as, as grand as, as others. And they shouldn't be like You don't have to have, no, like, you no. shouldn't have to have a twist just for the sake of it. Right. Um, but yeah, there was, there was some good ones. So I just wanted to, to, to get your take on what you really liked. Um, so favorite in, like moments, it doesn't have to be like your favorite episode, but like a couple that stand out, like just individual moments from episodes.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, I numbered them one to three here. Oh, okay. It was just one I just, off the top of my head, things that were just really memorable for me. Um, one was Howling Man Transformation.
1: Yeah,
0: I, That was definitely my favorite moment so far in Twilight Zone um, that we've watched. Uh, two, I really enjoyed the glass coffins inside of the cave. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good It's look. not necessarily a moment, but just the visuals and seeing them inside that in what I called like a super villain hideout. (laughs) Um, I, I really enjoyed that. And then, uh, the third, third one that came to my mind that I, I, we just talked about it last episode, uh, the end of obsolete man, um, with the, with the jury or whatever you want to call him with that weird noise that they make before they attack him and drag him across a a table and sort of rip him apart. Um, that, that was really, really off-putting and very memorable.
1: Yeah, no, that, so. those are good. Um, I'm going to mention just the end of the speakeasy scene from Trouble at Templeton, how as soon as he exits the speakeasy, it all fades to black with um, his first wife, uh, Pippa Scott, I think is the actress's name, how she's just kind of staring and everything just goes to black and silent. It's it's a hell of a moment. And, and then once you realize in the episode that they're all playing a part to get him to give up the past and go forward with, with him holding the script. It's like they were all performing. And then the, then, then the show was over and the, everything just fades to black super quick. It's, it's a powerful moment. It's almost too fast to realize what happened, but just thinking about it in hindsight, it, it is, it is wonderful.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a really nice episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, which we don't see a lot. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I really do like Trouble with Templeton too. That, that That's one of those ones that the further you get away from it, it actually, like, I reflect pretty fondly on it. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Um, I also like, and it has nothing to do with anything being, like, significant. I like it whenever uh, Buddy Upson uses his mind powers to call the phone over to himself and the prime mover because <laughs> he's a slag in bed and he's just kind of, kind of maybe hungover. We don't know. He's just had a rough night, like, constantly fixing you know vegas like dice games and the phone's ringing he's like i can't be bothered to get up i'm just gonna mind power it over to me i liked that um a most unusual camera with the way the episode ends like you can't you can't deny that that's a unique ending for an episode so uh, that's something else because also we weren't expecting nor can we explain why all four people sorry was it four people yeah four people fall out a window Um, yeah, like, uh,
0: yeah, I'm surprised I didn't bring that up under uh, favorite twist.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I I think I laughed the hardest about that ending out of any of the episodes that we've covered.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then there's also the brief visual in 22 when he first, whenever the, the, she's in the, in the downstairs near the morgue. And then when the, the morgue doors open and it looks like a hall of mirrors and you have, um, the night nurse saying room for one more, as much as that's a video episode and it looks a little, uh, a little clunky that the image that they're trying to establish is very haunting. So I, there's, there's just moments here and there that are just sticking on my head that I, I enjoyed a great deal.
0: Yeah. That was another kind of disappointment for me because reading that synopsis, I was really expecting to have a nice terrifying episode and yeah. Uh, they dropped the ball a little bit they as did. it gets towards the end. <laughs> I, and I, I like uh, your co-host on uh, Invasion of the Podcast just posted on uh, our our page today that it was them doing uh, Final Destination
1: <laughs> <At> first, yeah,
0: <laughs> through the Twilight Zone lens, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, so
1: yeah, I just you know I had other other things here that all pointed towards. Uh, well, one thing in regards to Sterling being in front of the camera, he 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 said, "I photograph better than I look." That's a very Sterling statement. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah it's just a lot of it was the cbs kept poking them like money wise and that's why uh the episode number was reduced and why they were pushed to videotape and they saw that they saw both those things coming and they tried their best to mitigate but there were still pressures from this so hopefully next season which has a larger order and also and, and, and this is true too uh buck Houghton convinced uh cbs to to renew them early for a third season so that way it would give them more time to set up the, the season proper, so he worked out basically a deal of getting them that early renewal, so they knew they had a, a more time to plan for things. So maybe we'll see that if that will suss out in the first few episodes that we watch.
0: Well, that's good, and it it gets Serling off Suicide Watch too, so that's also <laughs> yeah helpful.
1: Yeah, and also, too, and this is a much larger conversation. Charles Beaumont had concerns that Serling was working so hard and absorbing so much information that he was inadvertently plagiarizing things. And he wrote this letter to Rod saying, I'm only mentioning this to you because I respect you. And I and basically he was like, I have to mention this to you because I think it's a concern. And he goes through episode by episode, not, not all of them, but saying this is directly related to this. This is directly related to this. And they went and had dinner that night, and 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 Beaumont had the letter with him, and said, "Here, I'm giving this to you. Read it after I leave." And so Sterling read the letter, and then wrote back, and immediately refuted everything point by point, but said he respected that Beaumont had the guts to tell him his thoughts about these things, and it was an interesting dynamic that Beaumont respected him enough to be like, you know, I, I think that you're you're you're. Uh, inadvertently taking this stuff and then rod would just be like no i'm not like I, I like that uh like basically he's like he's like i appreciate you telling me this but you're wrong but then somehow their their friendship got stronger because of it it was just an interesting i don't know how many professional pairings would become better after someone accused the other person of inadvertently plagiarizing things
0: yeah so i well, I, I mean you kind of have to see where beaumont's coming from though because how many of these episodes uh, this season, did we say like, well, it's kind of reminiscent of this. Like yeah. uh, last episode, we talked about Bradbury. Uh, yeah. We talked about, uh, um, uh, oh, my God, 1984. Um, Orwell. Orwell, George Orwell. Uh, we talked about like all these episodes or books that this story kind of felt like. Uh, the previous one we talked about Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. We talked about The Thing from Another World. Um, you know, there's so many episodes. Each episode, you really can't go and see where at least the genesis for the idea came from. I don't know if I'd call it plagiarism, but again, it might be coming from a time now where I feel like everything is reminiscent of something else. Well,
1: that's fair. When I yeah.
0: you go to the theater, like you go and see something like, uh, not to pick on It Follows, because I actually do like the film, but you get out of that and you tell people it's like, oh, it's like this meets this, mm-hmm. you know, with like a 80s kind of score. You know, like everything is reminiscent of something else nowadays when you go see it. Not everything, but a lot of the time. So we're kind of used to people borrowing ideas and all that. But at, at at this time, I guess I could see how they would think of it more as plagiarism because well, there's less media being put out there, yeah, especially I, on this level.
1: I, and I could see Beaumont being concerned because, I mean he probably also saw the stress that Sterling was under to try to just get work out there. Right. So I could see that too. So yeah. the, other, the part of the genesis of this though, is that I guess Beaumont was hanging out with some people, uh, AKA Ray Bradbury and Bradbury was kind of talking shit about like thinking that Sterling was taking his ideas. So Sterling called Bradbury and kind of was like, Hey, like what's going on? And they, 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 they kind of vented about like, like their frustrations about it. And then they, then, um, Sterling's like, well, let me get some of your stories on the show. And they ended up having, like, a good working relationship after Sterling had, like, the spine to call Bradbury and be like, Here, I've heard you kind of shit-talking me. Like, what's going on? So I think that's interesting that a amicable working relationship came out of someone bitching about the idea that Sterling was ripping off his work. Um, so I, it just the early sixties sci-fi world is, is really interesting to me about the authors and influences and how even then they'd be sitting around having some drinks and just getting mad at each other. Like I just, you know you think of these guys, they're more, they're almost um, like mythological in your head, but they were just humans. And yeah. they, it, it just, I just, it's, it's, just, it's, it's interesting to think about. Yeah. Uh, it, how, how, oh man,
0: could you imagine just sitting down at the table with all of them just drinking scotch? Smoking <laughs> cigarettes, smoking, smoking some Oasis. Oasis. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's just like, it I, it would be insane. Yeah. But like you said, we build them up so much now. Yeah. And you forget that they all got jealous of each other. They all, uh, they all talked, you know, like they were just humans. <laughs> yeah. So, so,
1: yeah. All right. That's enough uh, drama behind the scenes here with uh, Rod Sterling, AKA the potato sack left in the sun. Uh, so yeah, that's it. I, I don't, I don't have anything. I mean, I'm sure I could talk about season two a lot longer. Um, but we've talked about yeah. it. If you guys want to go back <laughs> then we have 29 other episodes or whatever of us talking about season two.
0: Yeah. We didn't even uh, – I got to bring it up. We didn't even talk about Hyperion. So.
1: Oh, crap. Yeah. So we didn't bring yeah, up Hyperion. Well, there you go. We didn't I bring said up. it.
0: Take your shot. <laughs> Take your drink.
1: <laughs> we, we didn't bring up um, uh, people getting killed in helicopters and other machinery. We didn't bring that up. There, there was a lot of – like, credit to you. You kept, like, talking about your concerns of people falling out of windows uh, well before <laughs> – a most unusual camera and then four of them fell out and that was like the, the wa- like the high water mark of people falling out of windows so far I've, in the series. I've,
0: I have a condition now of walking past windows where I just feel like somehow I'm gonna fall out of it <laughs> after watching these two seasons.
1: That's that's funny. So <laughs> it just
0: seems like a very convenient way to go. I it guess. does. I
1: don't know. I mean how you say fall out a window. So uh yeah. Yeah. Uh th- no, there was just uh, there was a lot of <laughs> A lot a lot of fun talking about this, and I cannot wait for season three. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, another uh, great thing coming up, uh, we had a long discussion recently on Charles Bronson. I forget which episode that was. Um, I think it was when we discussed the Telefon movie. Yeah,
1: but I, I can't remember. Um, I just listened to that stuff, and I can't remember which episode it was. The guy, that we, one of the directors directed Telephone later, and we started talking yeah. about Charles Bronson.
0: Yeah, so Charles Bronson's coming up on the first episode of season three. So I'm excited to return to that conversation.
1: Him and Elizabeth Montgomery. So we get some more Bewitched talk in there, too. So Fantastic. Really um, so, yeah, season three is going to be great. Season two, like, I, there's a lot to like about it. I know you came away with it more uh, enamored with it than I did. That's okay. I mean, I still don't regret watching a single episode except for the whole truth. Other than that, everything's <laughs> been, uh, been fine. I don't, I don't
0: regret watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe a little
1: maybe a little um so uh yeah i guess before we announce what we're going to do next uh kevin how people how can people find us
0: oh man like i said so many ways paul uh you can email us at syringe highways at gmail.com if you want to leave us voicemails emails let us know what you think about the show let us know what you think about the twilight zone we'd love to hear from you um you can follow us on instagram and facebook join the conversations on there I've been uh, trying to stay more active on the Instagram, but it kind of comes in spurts. So, <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to follow us on there, we're strange highways podcast. Um, uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, uh, satchel pod pretty much anywhere you can find Facebook or find podcasts. Oh man. <laughs> um, we are there, and it would really
1: help us out if you would rate and review us. Absolutely, so we'd appreciate that. So, uh, though we did talk about uh, the the first episode of Season 3, that's not what we're doing next time. So next time, we decided to watch some amazing stories. So that's the series that came out in the late 80s. I think late 80s. it was a Steven Spielberg passion project on NBC. It didn't last terribly long, but high production value, attracted a lot of big talent. Uh, and surprisingly, if you guys go to NBC.com, uh, what was the backslash amazing hyphen stories you can find. They have like five or six episodes of amazing stories to watch on their website. So we picked two of them. Uh, we picked, uh, let's say season one, episode one, which, oh, this is going to play by accident as I look at it. Um, it's called ghost train. Um, and then also we're going to watch season one, episode four, mummy daddy. <laughs> so, um, Every time. That title oh, makes These came laugh. out in 85. I always feel like this is an older series. It came out later in the 80s than that. So, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be fun to watch those two episodes and talk about them. It'll be interesting to watch something that's in color. That'll be that'll be a difference. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I don't know what I'm going to do on the Instagram because I've been keeping it black yeah. and white. I'll just have to change it though. I guess encounter with the unknown was also colored and so is are you a friend of the dark? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, um but yeah, I'm, I'm not too terribly familiar with amazing stories. Like I know of it and I, I know some of the premises, some of the episodes and everything, but, um, I, I don't know if I've really ever sat down and watched it. So this is going to be a new experience for me.
1: So you're and yeah, this would be interesting, but you missed out on the next episode after mummy daddy. It's the, it has Kevin Costner, Kiefer Sutherland in it. Wow, that's a uh, directed by Spielberg? I Man, we're missing out here. But we're going to watch... Uh, we're gonna watch, I want to uh, watch Mummy Daddy. Uh, we're going to watch Mummy Daddy. <laughs> and then I think Ghost Train, I think the old man in that was also the old guy in Christine that sold the car to Arnie Cunningham, and he said yeah. something really inappropriate about cars. I think that's him. So um, so yeah, we're going to cool. watch this two episodes. What?
0: Yeah. I, I like that we're watching the first episode though. Cause if I really haven't seen any of these, I'd like to get an idea of like where it started. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad we picked the first one.
1: Cool. So yes, yeah, so if you guys, well, I'll link it on the, on the page so you guys can find this just in case there might be other ways to watch this stuff too. But I mean, if it's NBC has it up for free, why not watch it there? Right. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, so amazing stories. And then maybe, maybe we'll get back to Twilight zone after that, but we'll get there eventually again. It's our two year anniversary. So we got a little bit of time to get into season three so again kevin thank you for listening to my drunken rambling in your backyard about pitching this idea of the show to you and i love that the moment i started mentioning it to you you're like that sounds amazing like you didn't you didn't hesitate at all about this so it took us a while to get it put together but i appreciate that you took the time to listen to me like just like spell out what i wanted to do
0: oh no it's uh, i i love doing the show like i said there's I wouldn't have my collection of Charles Beaumont stories that I do now (laughs) if it wasn't for doing the show. Yeah. Like if if that's what I get out of doing the show, like having these great discussions, uh discovering new writers, not necessarily new writers, but new (laughs) to me writers that I wasn't terribly familiar with. Um and finding movies like *Telephone* that I haven't watched yet, or um, *The Night I finally, God Screamed*. Yeah, uh, we talked about it early on in the season. Uh, I finally got a copy of uh, *The Night That God Screamed*. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember which episode we discussed that in. Uh, somebody was in it. Um, I finally got that at Cinema Wasteland, so I'm I'm excited to watch it. But I mean, there's there's so many other things outside of even *Twilight Zone* that we gain. From going through this. And it's fun. It's like uh I, El Goro said it when he was on at one point. It this is kind of a blind spot in my viewing. Yeah. Me too. It, that I found out. I honestly thought I had seen most of them. And it turns out I've seen probably like ten percent. So I didn't know it was a blind spot, but it sure is. So it's, it's really fun going through these for better or worse here, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, for better or the whole truth. Uh, <laughs> well, if
1: I would have binged this, I would have forgotten about half of it by now, yeah, but I feel like at least in it in reading about it and talking with you about it, it's burned more into my memory and I appreciate that. So um, and I like watching it in order because, you know, as excited as we are for some of the more iconic episodes, it's kind of like you gotta eat your vegetables before you get to your dessert. So I really, really, really yeah. like getting even even the worst Twilight Zone episode is still far like ahead a lot of versus a lot of crap I've seen. So, yeah you know so yeah, yeah.
0: and I, and I also want to thank you for doing such a great job producing the show and everything and <laughs> well, um, it's it's always great sitting down discussing these from uh, week to I, week and
1: I, I appreciate that in my uh, my uh, qu- questionable audio at times and button pressing so I try my best <laughs> <laughs> hey
0: yeah. it's free content it's free uh, yeah. hopefully everyone out there is enjoying it and uh, I also want to thank the listeners it's it's I'm happy that there are people out here going through the series with us. And, uh, like I said, for better or worse, (laughs) sitting through some of these episodes, but hopefully you're getting some entertainment, even with the not so great episodes and, uh, you know, getting some entertainment out of us rambling and drunkenly talking about (laughs) these sometimes.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So, all right. So I think that's going to do it for season two. I look forward to season three, but before that, some amazing stories, they better be amazing. I'm going to be angry if these are not amazing. If they're just
0: It's in the title.
1: If they're it just better be. if they're just like so-so stories, I'm like that's not this series. So so yeah, we're going to watch uh we're going to be watching Ghost Train and Mummy Daddy and then that'll be fun and and we'll see what happens from there.
0: Yeah, so uh I don't really have anything uh goofy to say at the end here, but uh <laughs> thanks again for everyone for uh listening.
1: Yeah, RIP uh Hyperion and don't be Hitler. That's the two things I've taken just from this don't season.
0: Don't be Hitler. Yeah, but yeah, thanks everybody.
1: I can't wait to talk about this mother.
0: Yeah, it's going to be awesome.
1: You're going to have to help me a little bit because normally if we take a break and I do prep work early, I'll go back and watch the episode a third time. And I'm like, I am not watching this one again. Like I just I watched it twice and I just couldn't I could not bring myself to watch it a third time to refresh myself. I am so like we'll talk about it. I, this might be my least favorite episode we've ever watched. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, that, that that tipped my hand. That just this episode made me so mad, um, <laughs> and I felt bad for you because you are like Charles Beaumont. And I don't know what the hell happened here. Well, I think we can get into some <laughs> of the writing here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at my notes here. What did I even write two years ago? Not two years ago. Two weeks ago. Two years ago, I wrote <laughs> notes. Um, what was uh, what was on the radio two years ago? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, they, you know, re- remind me of that I want to I want to I want to figure out what, what that would be in this today's modern age of just like, hey, listen to that. Some 41s on the radio. Remember them like <laughs> just laying a pillow on the floor <laughs> sitting yeah, back. This- oh, oh, somebody wants this- to. <laughs> like, oh, oh, is that Shadow Stevens? Take me away. Like what? <laughs> oh, oh f- man! all right. Man, let's man. save it for
0: the show. <laughs> I just did a. I just did a Smash Mouth. Uh. I'm recording this. I oh, might really? have to save Damn it. This. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh, because I'm just doing levels and it's, I let it run. So.